What's up, everybody? You have found our very special podcast here from thelines.com for the Academy Awards. That is right in some of the states around the country. It is actually legal to bet on the Oscars. My name is Steven Andrews, managing editor of thelines.com, joined by our special contributor for the Academy Awards and all things Oscars odds, Alex Jacob. You know him as one of the great all-time contestants on Jeopardy, also former ESPN US Poker champion as well. Alex, great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, for joining us here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So for those that have not been following along at thelines.com, you've missed a lot over the past month here when it comes to Academy Awards odds. Alex has been documenting the full series of award shows leading up to the Oscars on Sunday, March the 12th, 8 p.m. on ABC to watch the Oscars this year. And there's a lot that goes into this. So uh, at first, we're going to start with a little rapid fire six pack of questions here to kind of get everybody set. Here's some of his favorite bets. And then we'll go into a little bit more depth on some of the big award categories for the Oscars and how handicapping the Oscars is a process, not just the week of, but in the month leading up to it with all the other award shows. So let's get started here. Six pack rapid fire segment here for you, Alex. Let's start with your favorite Oscars bet on the board right now. This is so tough because it's such a tough year and uh, there are so many that, um, you know, there, are, there that means there, there's open races in a lot of places, but okay, we're doing rapid fire. I'll, I'll say Kate Blanchett because uh, I've just felt like she is uh, one of, you know, the best actresses of her generation in uh, what so many people are saying is the best role of her career. And I've just uh, been locked in on her winning the whole time. Um, now that Michelle Yeoh has won the SAG and a lot of momentum is seemingly on her side, the price is a lot more favorable for Blanchett. So um, I still think she's going to win. So you can get, a, get her at a pretty good price right now. So uh, I'll say that. I like it. We'll go into the specific odds here in a minute, but let's keep these questions going. Favorite upset pick for the Oscars this year? I will say Elvis in cinematography, which uh, last I checked was a plus 300 or 400. Um, and uh, the thing about that is no woman cinematographer has ever won this award. And uh, Mandy Walker for Elvis could be the first. Now, um, the American uh, Society of Cinematographers, the ASC, gave their top prize to uh, Mandy Walker of Elvis. And um, I thought that was very telling because that was the first time they had also um, awarded a woman for their top prize. And um, right now, All Quiet on the Western Front is the favorite, but it's a little bit of a weak favorite, in my opinion, because really the whole season we thought Top Gun Maverick was going to be the, um, the pick there. But um, I think there's an opportunity for Elvis because All Quiet was not nominated by the American, uh, by the ASC. And uh, for the last 15 years, the, the winner in that category has been nominated. So uh, um, probably should have been a little faster with these rapid fire answers, but I'll try to, I'll try to speed up on the next <laughs> one. <laughs> that's all right i don't think you're breaking any speeding limits this the, the, today or this week leading up to the oscars that's for sure but you know what the insight is good we need reasons here right you can't just blind bet some of these but you know i asked your favorite upset pick you gave us a good solid plus 330 there maybe to upset a minus 500 favorite 
Here's a little variation on that question. The biggest long shot you think that has a chance to win. You're not saying they're necessarily going to win, but the the longest odds on the board that actually has a, a theoretical chance to pull this off. I I was looking at this and I pinpointed, I, and I think this this seems mispriced to me is uh, everything everywhere all at once in best original score. Um, now, a score it, um, is often a category that it helps to be in uh, a best picture um, to be a best picture nominee. And um, I don't know. I just think that um, maybe the, um, you know, um, what you vote for, for the music is very tied into your enjoyment of the film possibly. And it seems like we usually good films win this category and um, Babylon has been the presumed um, front runner, but uh, it's, it's a little vulnerable because it's lost two different times now at the critics choice and at BAFTA. And uh, I, I think all quiet on the Western front uh, has a memorable score and is going to win that. But um, everything everywhere all at once was like a uh, plus 2,800 and uh, it's, it's an unconventional score, but it's, it's, it's quite memorable and it's, it's, it's a good score, I think. And um, I think um, if we see a big, sweep win for everything everywhere all at once that could easily be carried along with it because i could easily see people thinking um you know well there's my favorite movie let's just check it off the music was pretty good so why not so um also it's it's a band that uh it's, it's just kind of a, a different thing as a band sun lux that did the score for this for that uh movie so uh they might feel uh maybe you know a little hip making that pick it's possible so uh for at a plus 2800 i think it's worth a flyer i like it in your article you picked all quiet on the western front to win this category for best original score at plus 175 but you know to use kind of a a, a golf betting phrase you're going to sprinkle a little bit on a bigger long shot here so you could kind of split that unit up and if you happen to get everything everywhere all at once you're gonna get a pretty solid payday there so you can find alex's article at thelines.com right now or you can follow him on twitter at who is alex jacob you can find his article there as well a couple more here in the six pack for you alex next one up your favorite movie of the year overall like forget about all the odds what movie did you like the best this year this is tough because this is a great year. I thought there were a lot of great movies. And uh, I'll, I'll say Triangle of Sadness. I was really blown away by that one. Um, mm. Not for everybody, uh, especially not for the squeamish. Um, it's a comedy, right? It, it is. But there, there's a, if you've seen it, you know why I say that. But I won't spoil anything. Um, you know what? Uh, some of the animated movies were really good. And uh, I'm a fan of animated movies. But this year in particular, I thought that was a really good category. I really liked Marcel, the, the shell with shoes on. And uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Um, okay. You know, for, for, a, for a spinoff of the Shrek uh, series, you know, for a sequel to Puss in Boots, I'm telling you, I had no right to be as good as it was. And uh, if you check out that movie, you'll, you'll see what I mean. It's, 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 it's really good. Listen, man, as, as a father of a toddler at home here, I appreciate the animated movie recommendations here because every once in a while you need one, man, for a break <laughs> every once in a while. So uh, next question, your favorite performance of the year. You said Kate Blanchett a little bit earlier is your favorite bet. Does that correlate because you thought it was your favorite performance of the year as well? Or is there somebody different? She's up there. Yeah, she could be. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, 
I guess I'd also say Brendan Fraser. I mean, I, I was, I actually didn't get to see that movie until long after I'd already, you know, written the article and predicted him and all this stuff. So I can say that my analysis is not colored by this, but it was <laughs> nice to get the confirmation after finally seeing it that, yeah, it was a really great performance and all these, uh, critical raves and uh, all the support from the industry is not just uh, purely on narrative. This is really um, a, the real deal performance. And uh, I got I to tell you, Stephen, it got me. It got me a little bit. I don't know if you watch that movie, it's uh, it's an emotional one. You need a box of tissues on, on standby for the Absolutely. whale. Absolutely. I mean, I saw like a two minute clip of it. And I was reaching for the box of tissues. Man, I got to go see this movie. This, this, it looks pretty good. So and as you termed it in your articles, the renaissance is in full swing here. So I love it. Final six pack question here. Will Top Gun Maverick, the greatest sequel in cinematography and cinematic history, will it win at least one Oscar? Give me one, Alex. The one that it looks Poised to win is best sound, but you know, you never know. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front is in that category. War films do do well there. And um, I didn't even mention this in my article, the music films do well in the sound category too. I mean, it's it's possible Elvis, you know, if, if we really see uh, an overperformance, if, uh, if they really love Elvis, it, I could see a world where Elvis takes that. Probably very unlikely, but um, it looks like, um, best sound could be the one has a shot at editing too. I would say, you know, um, historically, a lot of times sound and editing go together. The thing is this season, we just happen to have, um, this movie, everything everywhere all at once. That's kind of really built on the editing and it's just been steamrolling and winning, um, editing awards, um, everywhere, everywhere all at once. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> So uh, that it looks like it can't be stuffed in that category. So it looks like it's not going to be editing for Top Gun. Um, screenplay, it's also in is the other one. It has a chance in potentially, but it seems like it would really be behind the favorite women talking and even All Quiet on the Western Front is probably in second there. So I'd say best chance is definitely um, sound. And it looks, you know, I think it's a solid favorite there, but uh, there's, always, there's a chance it goes home empty-handed. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think... The Academy wants to see that because, you know, Top Gun, uh, I feel like it's kind of seen like, uh, you know, the movie that saves cinema that, you know, they call it. And there was this big viral moment of Steven Spielberg, you know, telling Tom Cruise, you know, you save, you saved our asses and all this stuff. So <laughs> I do think they want to see it rewarded. It could even, could even see it do more than the sound, but I think it'll probably take best sound. It would certainly be an appropriate award just from my own personal experience with the Top Gun franchise. I remember when I was a kid when the first one came out and my dad's friend had just purchased this brand new state-of-the-art surround sound system, this amazing new home theater technology. And the first movie they watched on it was Top Gun. So you can hear the fighter jets flying from one speaker to the other. What better award for Top Gun Maverick to win than Best Sound? Because that was, you know, so much fun to watch for both the original and the sequel as well. So uh, let's transition now, Alex, to a little bit more in-depth look at some of the big categories that everybody looks forward to every Oscars season. But before we get into Best Picture and the Best Actor and Actress Awards and Supporting Actor and Actress Give us a little bit of insight here about your process. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there's a lot that goes into this, right? This is not just you 
watching some movies a week before the Oscars. There's a there's a big awards process in Hollywood, not just with the Academy, but a lot of other entities as well that help shape the Oscars odds as we get now here to less than a week away from from the Oscars. So pull the curtain back a little bit and tell us a little bit about your process here in handicapping this. Sure. Well, it basically starts at the beginning of the year with, um, you know, um, all these various critics groups eventually end up um, giving their awards. And that kind of creates a consensus on who the kind of critical favorites to win the various categories are. And then um, eventually we get into award season and um, the two big um, televised awards that are kind of made up of journalists are the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice. Um, you know, the Critics' Choice uh, being the big uh, critics organization, Golden Globes um, is the Hollywood Foreign Press. And those are kind of the two that um, kind of give us, kind of, kind of start the perception of what could be our Oscar winners, but it could be, de- it's, it's also de- deceiving sometimes because these groups don't have, um, um, overlap with the actual people who are going to be voting on the Oscars. So the Oscars are voted by the Academy who are members of the film industry. So these are kind of a different set of people kind of setting the tone. And then, um, um, eventually, um, the British Academy BAFTA has their awards. Um, so that's really a big one because there's a lot of overlap with the British Academy and um, the the uh, Academy for the Oscars. Same voters, you mean, when you say overlap? Right, exactly. A lot of the people um, in the British Academy are also in the Academy that votes on the Oscars. So um, a lot of times you, you'll see um, some of those winners translate over. And uh, then the other big award is the Screen Actors Guild, which is um, the actors are the biggest branch of the Academy. So, um, in the, uh, the, the, the screen actors guild is, is a, a huge group of American actors and it's, it's, uh, they've kind of added, uh, you know, all sorts of TV and, um, even, uh, some influencers and stuff like that, but it's this massive, um, group of uh, over a hundred thousand people. The Academy is less than 10,000 people, but this uh, gives you an idea of where the actors kind of are. And, and uh, like I said, they're the largest branch of the Academy. So, um, it, you know, you put all these pieces together of what the results are at all these different award shows. And then there's also each of the various categories has their own separate guild. So, you know, the makeup, um, uh, the makeup artists have their own guild and the costume designers have their own guild and the, and the production designers have their guild and they're all deciding what they think um, is going to win all these categories. And um, you know, the, each of these um, places have different historical accuracy as far as some are better than predicting the Oscar um, than others. For, for instance, the director's guild has been um, super accurate. And just um, when you win the director's guild award, um, you often um, like some like 90% of the time or in that area end up winning the best director Oscar. So for instance, this year when um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheiner won that for everything ever all at once, you saw the, the line for the, uh, for them as the directors, they went to a huge favorite and that race was like already declared over. 
other places um, are not as accurate and you kind of have to, you know, end up looking at all these charts of like, okay, this, this person won this and this, and they won the Oscar. And then, well, okay, this person won this and this, and that time they won. Well, okay, well this person lost and they won here and there. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's interesting. And just, you can just kind of look at, try to look at um, who has the win package that's going to, um, most likely indicate, you know, the support from the Academy that's going to result in them winning the Oscar. So, and if that quote unquote win package from the rest of award season doesn't necessarily match the current odds at some of our sports books, I'm guessing that may trigger a bet for you. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the Oscars lines are kind of interesting. It's, um, you know, I, I yeah. Let's let's just get into them, Alex. Let's get sure. into them. I mean, sure. Best Picture is the culmination of the entire Oscars television show every year, but it's the, one of the least intriguing this year in terms of a betting perspective. Everything, everywhere, all at once has garnered huge acclaim, and several of the big categories they are huge favorites in, including Best Picture, where the film is minus fourteen hundred to win Best Director. The Daniels are minus 1200 from the same movie. And then obviously, you know, our, our good friend from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom down here for best supporting actor. He, uh, Kihue Kwan is minus 5,000 to win best supporting actor because he's won this award in every other branch of award season this year. So not much intrigue from, from those three categories. And, uh, I assume, rightfully so based on what you've seen in, the, in that film and those performances. Yeah. Those three categories, best picture, best director, best supporting actor for Kihu Kwan. Um, those um, seem to be locked up um, more or less. That's the general consensus. I mean, um, you know, everything everywhere all at once is basically swept everything. Now the one place it didn't sweep was at the BAFTAs, the British Academy, and it didn't actually do very well there. It only won one award and all quiet on the Western front won their um, best picture prize. So mm -hmm. if you're going to um, possibly look for a crack uh, here where um, an opening and for possibly um, this movie could be vulnerable and actually lose, I think it's possible I don't think um, they've really tempted us enough with uh, with the line. I think that um, everything. I think all quiet on the Western Front is something like plus one thousand or something. Yeah, if it was uh, DraftKings. Yeah, if we were, if it was something like plus three thousand or four thousand, I might be thinking about it because I do think that there is a very real group of people who who don't like this movie, and uh, we we've seen it. We've definitely. Um, there's just a lot of anecdotal evidence pointing towards that. I've, I've just seen a lot of people say this. It tends to be um, older people, but not always. And then just um, some of them can't get through this movie. Um, um, some of them don't just don't get it, you know. Um, and uh, with the preferential ballot, um, it's possible for um, – if if it's ranked low on a lot of ballots and if uh, another movie like All Quiet on the Western Front is two, number two and number three on a lot of ballots and ends up rising up and, and uh, it, it's possible that that could happen. But um, I think the price would need to be better because uh, it's really looking like very likely 
um, based on the, the the massive support from from everywhere across the industry besides the British Academy. And the British Academy still did give it one award, so it's not like they completely blanked it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think there is a chance, but uh, I think the, the price would need to be a little better. So if those odds hold and, and everything everywhere all at once sweeps those three categories, we might be looking at a superfecta here as well, to use a horse racing term. If Jamie Lee Curtis can get home too from this same film in the best supporting actress category and her odds have plummeted over award season here. Just a couple of weeks ago, you could get Jamie Lee Curtis at 11 to one to win best supporting actress. Now she is the second choice at plus 150. Angela Bassett from Black Panther Wakanda Forever is still the favorite at DK at plus 125. And then not too far behind is Carrie Condon from the Banshees of Inishirin at plus 225. This is one of the, the award markets here for the Oscars that really has some intrigue here. Not just two potential uh, winners here, but three that we have to navigate. This is a, this is potentially the toughest category, arguably the toughest category on the board. I mean, you've got three people with a legitimate chance. It's uh, there was um, an actress race a couple years ago with uh, Frances McDormand ended up winning over Viola Davis and Carrie Mulligan. It's kind of reminiscent of that with a, a, a pure three horse race here, and um, it's it's tough to call. I'm feeling a little silly because uh, I had counted out Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, I guess the betting markets had counted her out too. Like you said, she was at plus uh, 1200 or four or whatever, whatever, wherever she was. And, um, that's because, um, Angela Bassett came out of the gate and, uh, like I said before, kind of golden globe set the tone and they, and, uh, they, they awarded her. And, uh, I, I think there was the sense that everyone was like, okay, we're on board. Um, we want to see Angela Bassett win an Oscar. We love her. It's her time. Let's do this. And the critics choice followed suit. And then she became um, a massive front runner in this race. Um, but uh, it may have been a mirage because she was not able to win at BAFTA. Carrie Condon from Banshees won that. And then, uh, of course, at SAG, Jamie Lee Curtis just won uh, an uh, award that um, I would say most everyone was expecting Angela Bassett to win. It was kind of for her on a silver platter there. And she was not able to um be Jamie Lee Curtis, it could be an indication of just that SAG really loves everything everywhere all at once, or maybe more likely that the support for Angela Bassett isn't um, quite there. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe some people, you know, we thought it could come into play, you know, Angela Bassett being in a Marvel movie, being in a Black Panther sequel, are they really, is the Academy really going to want to give an Oscar for a Black Panther sequel for, for a Mar for an MCU movie where, where people are kind of flying around on, on uh, green screens and stuff, you know, um, it, it, uh, it doesn't, um, it's not the, you know, obviously it would, would have been a first, it would be a first if it happens. And uh, it still could happen. I, I have her at number three at this point because she lost those last two prizes. And I think it's between um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Carrie Condon. But this is a tough one to call. I think the majority of people out there are actually calling this for Carrie Condon. But I've seen a lot of people predicting all three of these. And... Um, yeah, this is a true tough toss one. Up. Just go with God. Sounds like a true toss-up, really. I mean, if, if, but I'll say this from a betting perspective: 
if you currently have the favorite Angela Bassett as the third choice at this point after all these award seasons have played out and DK still has her as the favorite, then there's potentially an option here to just bet on the other two, Jamie Lee Curtis and Carrie Condon, split your unit between it or, or double your unit between those two. And as long as Bassett doesn't win, you're coming out with a profit here. So just one potential betting strategy here for this market. Yeah. Uh, if you're not com- totally convinced that Jamie Lee Curtis is going to take it and, and Condon still has a chance here. So um, that's it's it's by I agree with you. It's by far the, the most intriguing award of this Oscar season with the way things have played out ahead of time leading up to the Academy Awards. In the best actress race, it's it's a two woman race here. We have Kate Blanchett of Tar at minus one sixty five. And we also have, and please correct me if I'm mispronouncing her last name, Michelle Yo from Everything Everywhere All at Once at plus 120. Yeah. How do you see this one? Well, like I said earlier, I think Kate Blanchett is going to win now, but it, it's, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm seeing all of the predictions come in for Michelle Yo. So if you're watching this and you want to know, okay, what are, you know, the majority of people who are covering the Oscars, who are spending time thinking about this, you know, I'm just one person and I'm saying, I think Kate Blanchett is going to win. But if you want to follow the majority of um, people on this, um, they're saying Michelle Yeoh because they, they think that, um, you know, she has the momentum right now after winning the SAG and um the you know the love for her in in that room was was definitely um palpable and um you know she's clearly just a beloved figure in the industry the wind would mean a lot for representation i'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to see that and um i think a lot of people would just like to see her win so i mean she could easily you know i'm you know um I'm not going to, you know, it's definitely, you know, just in a lot of categories, I'm not going to be shocked if, if I'm wrong on this one, but um, I just think um, Kate Blanchett and tar is just one of these all timer roles. I mean, you've had people saying best of the decade, best of her career. And this is someone who's already won two Oscars and been nominated eight times. Um, And um, I just feel like it's too little too late for Michelle Yeoh and that the, that this, that this prize has already been um, penciled in for Kate Blanchett and a lot of people's minds. And um, we'll just have to see, Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm betting on the the love in the industry for, for, you know, someone like Brendan Fraser and, and Jamie Lee Curtis, but, you know, in this case, um, I think there's just as much, if not more love for Michelle Yeoh. However, she's up against Kate Blanchett and tar. So that's the difference. And, um, I just think this it's, she just has, I just think she, um, is undeniable this year, but again, I could be wrong. So we've talked about a, a three-way race for best supporting actors. We've talked about a clear favorite, but not insurmountable potentially and best actress. Now we get the best actor, which from following your writing this season has really been 50, 50 all along the way here. You, you felt pretty strongly about Brandon Frazier, but Austin Butler playing Elvis collected a lot of awards leading up to the SAGs. And then Brandon Frazier finally got the SAG award. So as, as odds sit right now, 
Brendan Frazier minus 165 at DraftKings. And for those watching later, we are recording on Thursday afternoon. So Frazier minus 165, Austin Butler at plus 120. That SAG award finally brought some confidence back for you on the Renaissance, to use your term. And I love that term, by the way. I'm, I don't know who, if you came up with it or somebody else did, but that's it's yeah. Cool, no, I think that's one that's out there. I won't take credit for that one, but uh, yeah, um, he definitely needed to win the SAG to stay alive because Austin Butler had won the BAFTA. That was the first big um, award with industry overlap, and uh, if he had won again with the SAG. You know, that's kind of ball game right there. If you win the BAFTA mm-hmm. and the SAG, that's kind of a deadly combination and, and uh, has resulted in Oscar win all, most of the time. Um, but they are kind of on even footing now because, uh, you know, uh, Austin Butler won the Golden Globe. Now Brendan Fraser has a fraught relationship with the Golden Globe. So you could even discount that a little bit. But even we give him credit for that, give Austin Butler credit for that. Then Brendan Fraser won the Critics' Choice. So they kind of so that's kind of a wash, and then Butler won the BAFTA, Fraser won the SAG. So it kind Man. of comes down to who do you trust more, um, BAFTA or SAG? And um, the other thing is, you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll say I'll make the same, you know, disclaimer is that I've seen the predictions come in for Austin Butler. So if you want to know who the majority of of people following this i i'm somewhat on out on a limb here even though it's kind of interesting that brendan fraser remains the the vegas favorite mm-hmm. because i'm telling you i'm reading all these predictions and all these other people covering this are saying that austin butler is going to win and i'll tell you why they believe that because Austin Butler is, is uh, in Elvis, which is nominated for Best Picture, and uh, uh, The Whale is not nominated for Best Picture. Now, historically, you have to go back to um, Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart um, some 15 years ago to find the last time that um, someone won Best Actor that's not in a Best Picture nomination. Uh, you know, however, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people, um, that is definitely an advantage. And the the other advantage that uh, Austin has is that he's playing Elvis and that the Oscar, the Oscars love, you know, people playing real life people. I think they feel like they can kind of compare you to what they're a member of the real life figure. And this, did you get it right? You know? And I think a lot of people do think Austin Butler nailed it in that respect. And so that is, that is a bit of a leg up too. So for those two reasons, I think are the main reasons why the, the main logic, why most people are predicting Austin Butler to win this. I just think um, narratives can be very powerful at the Oscars. And I think that Brendan Fraser's comeback story here, I think there's a lot of goodwill behind him. I think he's been such a lovable persona on this campaign trail. I just think that the industry wants to see him win, you know, um, he he got a great response at the SAG Awards too. Some of his speeches have been really emotional. I think they're going to pull on some heartstrings. And um, great, you know, the, the SAG by Brandon Fraser. Yeah, absolutely, and the Critics' Choice too. And um, you know, the Oscars hasn't haven't given out a lot of awards to young actors, especially you know heartthrob types. And, uh, you know, they, they resisted awarding people like Leo and Brad Pitt for years. And, you know, Tom yeah. Cruise is still never won. And you could go on and on. You know, Robert Redford never won an acting Oscar or Cary Grant, these type of guys. And um, Austin Butler is kind of in that mold. And, uh, you know, maybe it's silly, but, uh, 
it, it, you know, it's possible that the, you know, the Oscars are a lot of older male voters. Maybe, you know, they, they, they like to vote for someone they know also is the other thing is that not only is he young, he's really kind of a new face. And, uh, you know, when someone like Rami Malek won this for, for Bohemian Rhapsody, he was already an Emmy winner in uh, Mr. Robot, right? So people already knew him. He was kind of an established, um, respected actor. And, and people are just kind of meeting Austin Butler for the first time. Now, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they'll go for a discovery like that. But just in the history of the um, Oscars, it's, it's, it's even more rare on the male side than it is on the female side. We'll close up with two more awards here with odds that are still very much up in the air. You know, usually at this point in Oscar season, the awards have a ton of heavy favorites and we are fortunate this year to have a ton of categories that do not have heavy favorites. And one of those is best original screenplay. Banshees of Inishirin is minus 150 everywhere. Everything everywhere all at once is plus 110. So if you like the upset here, you're getting plus money and your final prediction in your column is calling for the upset here over the Banshees of Inishir. And tell me why. Yeah, I'm surprised. That's that's the current line now, huh? So, um, yeah, I think um, I think actually I'm uh, I'm with most people on this one. You know, I, I originally I did. Uh, I, this has kind of been a toss up category the whole time because, um, you know, you've got uh Everything Everywhere All at Once is kind of a typical winner of this category because a lot of times that, you know, you can replace the word best with most. So this is really the most original screenplay if you think about it that way. And it's, it's such an original idea. And, uh, I think of movies like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, you know, and, uh, mind bending, um, movies like that, you know, often, uh, novel ideas get rewarded here. And then on top of that, if it's in the best picture winner, if it's the best picture winner, you know, we know there's a lot of love behind it. So there's really no reason it's, sh um, it shouldn't win. Now th there is a possibility. And this is one of the reasons why initially I did give this slight, um, lean in my first article a couple of weeks ago to Banshees. And I guess the, the, the market still have them as the favorite is that uh, Martin McDonough is very respected. His last movie, Three Billboards, you know, was a contender, was maybe a top two contender for Best Picture. And this will be his third nomination for screenplay. And um, often the screenplay has been kind of a consolation prize where they say, um, you know, um, you're not going to win best picture or best director. So, but here you can have best screenplay. So a lot of times, you know, like Spike Lee won this for black land, you know, um, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast and, uh, over and over again, these auteurs, these writer directors, um, often win this. I mean, we can hope we can, um, maybe see Sarah Polly this year for women talking in the other category win this, um, spoiler alert. I don't know if we're getting to that category, but, um, <laughs> You can find it in yeah. his column at thelines.com. I tweeted <laughs> over it. Who is Alex Jacob? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, so, um, yeah, I, I just think, um, I think it is going to win just because Banshees is a little weaker than I initially thought, you know, it couldn't win on its home turf at the Baftas. It couldn't win the best movie prize, did win best screenplay there, but didn't win the best film. So it shows it's a little weaker than maybe we imagine everywhere, everywhere, everything, everywhere has just shown how strong it is. Um, 
So, um, and the fact that it's such an original, um, idea. And I feel like if there's so much love behind this movie, they're going to have to also, it only makes sense that they would also pick, um, that the screenplay for it as, um, one of their favorites because, you know, as, as their favorite, because it, the movie, you know, doesn't work without it. Finally, let's wrap up with best documentary feature where Navalny is the current favorite at minus 250 over at DK. All the beauty and the bloodshed is plus 700. But what previously was the third choice has risen up to the second choice at plus 300 is Fire of Love. It's taken some money. It was plus 400 a couple of weeks ago. You've remained consistent here. This has been one of your favorite upset picks all award season. You've stayed with Fire of Love to pull the upset here. Um, give us your reasons why. Well, it, you know, let me say first that uh, Navalny would totally make sense as a winner here. It, it is, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's centered around this um, political rival to Putin who is poisoned and imprisoned. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're wanting to. It sounds like. Right, exactly. But um, the Oscars don't always go for timely. And, you know, they've, they've, they've been, uh, you know, documentary, documentaries on the pandemic, for instance, and, uh, you know, January 6th and stuff like this. And, and, and none of these have, uh, have come close to, to winning the uh, Oscar. Um, I just think uh, Fire of Love was, it was the kind of the crowd pleaser here. It's backed by Disney. It's on Disney Plus. It's uh, made, you know, almost $2 million at the box office, which for a documentary is a lot of money. And a lot of people have seen this. I've just heard um, just the, the, the word of mouth on this is, is just seems very strong. And, um, I eventually watched it and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just feel like it's more, it's more cinematic. It, it's, 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 uh, more of a feel good kind of pick, which kind of goes in line with some of the recent winners. It remi reminds me of my octopus teacher a couple of years ago, which one, which, which, uh, was a Netflix documentary, um, Netflix nature documentary. And, um, you know, it's kind of split some of the recent awards, you know, ba um, BAFTA pick Navalny, which is a, which is a strong indicator. Um, but the thing is, um, could it be, you know, a little bit of, uh, more closer to home there? Um, this, the subject matter being, you know, would Europeans, is this more of a European, uh, uh, would, would they be more, are they is this, is it hit a little closer to home for them? You know, um, possibly got a boost there, you know? So the Navalny won two awards, the, um, BAFTA and the PGA. Meanwhile, fire of love won the DGA with the directors and with the editors. Looking back at the, um, the history of these awards, actually the editors had the, the best record and have called eight of the last 10 winners. Hmm. And, um, um, the, the one that it didn't call, you know, didn't get, didn't actually win any of the four, and uh, the other one um, that didn't call was actually called by the DGA. So all of the, nine of the last 10 winners were either won the two, one of the two awards that Fire of Love won. So it doesn't uh, necessarily mean that it's going to win, but um, it does show that it's not been a sweep for Navalny. In other words, the, the timeliness of this has not been an automatic draw for because fire of love has won 
some of these major awards. So the thesis that um, it'll definitely, you know, the, the, there's no way it could lose because of the timeliness, I think might not be correct. Now it very, it very well may win because there may be people who check it off even regardless, you know, just, okay, it's an anti-Russia, anti-Putin thing. I'm down for that. You know, that's possible. I, I, I'm, uh, I could be wrong on this. You know, I, this is another one where, like you said, I'm on a little bit of an Island. I'm not completely on an Island. There are people out there saying the fire of love is going to win this. This is a legitimate two horse race. However, I would say the majority of people do think Navalny is going to win this and it could. Um, I just, you know, I also felt like it kind of, it's kind of a little depressing, you know, it kind of ends with a thud, you know, kind of just ends with the guy getting thrown in jail by Putin and, he's still in jail. You know, that's, it's kind of a, that's kind of the, the, the situation of it, which, you know, I guess you could argue either way on uh, whether that's, you know, a, um, a positive or negative as far as it winning the Oscar. But um, anyway, um, sticking with my, uh, sticking to my gut on this one um, could be wrong, but um, it just, I just, I've just heard so much uh, good, good things about fire of love. And I feel like, that is the one that when they're in the voting booth, they may feel like they're supposed to vote for Navalny, but I think they will want to vote for Fire Love. Hey, every good Oscars betting card or contest entry needs a upset pick here or there. And, you know, Fire of Love at plus 300 is, you know, I'm not going to call it a hot take whatsoever. You got the eight of the past 10 trend here with the, uh, with the other uh, voting block. So I, I like it. I bet it on it myself. I'm with you on it. So we'll see what happens here. It's uh, maybe a little bit of an early reward for us as we're watching the Oscars uh, Oscars on Sunday night, eight o'clock on ABC. If you have enjoyed the information and the research here, and if you've been listening, you know that a lot of effort, a lot of research and hours has been put into this by Alex Jacob. Hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, give him a follow on Twitter at who is Alex Jacob to read his entire column. It is linked down in the description. And if you are finding this and you know, we are a sports betting YouTube channel here and podcast feed, but if you are just into the Oscars and want to bet on them, go to the column linked in the description, click on the odds in the column and you're going to get a great sign up bonus from DraftKings Sportsbook as well. Alex, it's been a lot of fun, man. I learned a lot reading your stuff over this Oscar season. I hope we can do some more well, stuff here you, in the future with you, man. It's been it's been Absolutely. a blast. Been Enjoy the Oscars. Yeah, you too, man. Good luck to us. Thank you, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been uh, really fun uh, covering the awards and uh, doing my best to uh, read the tea leaves here. So, uh, you know, if anyone uh, anyone following my uh, or uh, you know, feel free to fade me. I won't be offended, but uh, <laughs> I hope uh, hope hope uh, you know do good for us. Chances are, I'm not going to have a Sunday sweat in the Players Championship because I like to bet golf. So I got the Oscars to look forward to on Sunday night. So it'll be a good one. It'll be a good Sunday night. Thanks for watching, everybody. Best of luck with your wagers in the 2023 Academy Awards. 